It's time for the Workforce Show, where you will learn the latest news about employment trends, current opportunities, and innovative strategies for managing a career on WERA 96.7 FM. Welcome today to uh, the latest of the uh, the Workforce Show, a show that uh, is innovative and it touches on innovation in technology, which we are all very interested in, uh, both in a practical sense as well as a theoretical sense. Uh, right now we're in the midst of a virus alert, and so co-virus and uh, we're all interested in seeing how our technology uh, helps us get through this. Uh, to talk about this as well as other subjects, we have Paul Simers. Uh, he is with K&L Gates, a lobbying law firm and law firm, to uh, to talk to us about this. Welcome, welcome, Paul. Thank you, Cindy. It's always a pleasure to be here. Um, I had a lot of questions for you, but I'm going to start with one important thing. Um, so you're, you uh, you have, uh, I know this is an old uh, bio, you've won all sorts of awards for being under 40, being being under 40 uh, of the law, what was it, the law uh, chamber, USA, 15, most uh, government relations, uh, 40 under 40 lobbyists. So... Up until now, we don't have, don't have to talk about your age or anything. It's a secret <laughs> if you want. What has been your your crowning uh, uh, recognition? Oh, I I don't I don't know about crowning recognition. I think what I what I look at in my career is what I've been able to accomplish for clients, uh, and and my work is really in in government relations relative to emerging technology, and so what I try to do is help Congress and help the administration uh, understand a new technology, uh, how it's disruptive, why it's going to change the world, and then what to do about that, why it matters for the country, why it matters for, for the world in general, uh, and and how to help advance it or at least get out of its way. Uh, and so I've done that uh, with uh, a variety of Internet-related technology, with nanotechnology, with neurotechnology, water-related technology, uh, and most recently, commercial spaceflight and uh, and quantum technology. Uh, and each time, the the job is the same. Uh, in Convincing the, people the, the, is, is value. Helping helping educate people about how does this technology work, why does it matter, and what to do about it. It's the technology that changes and the impacts that change. Uh, and I've been very fortunate over at this point, nearly a twenty year career. Uh, to be able to do that in a variety of contexts at a at a very high level, and and, and frankly, to have a I think a, a significant impact along with my clients uh, on on the way we live and and uh, and on human health and a variety of other uh, aspects. I understand uh, from uh, from talking to people, and I heard them speak that. The Congress has a, a subcommittee, a committee of AI, focused on AI. Tell us about that. I mean, sure. That would be typical of the kind of group that you would try to get in front of? Yeah. So there's, a, there's an artificial intelligence caucus, uh, and that's caucuses in Congress are informal uh, membership organizations made up of, of members who decide they'd like to be a part, uh, and they focus on a particular issue. 
you might have uh, an, a, a caucus uh, representing Irish Americans, since we're coming up on St. Patrick's Day, or a caucus uh, dealing with uh, dealing with human trafficking. Uh, and the AI caucus is, is such a caucus. So it's a, a group of members who are interested in uh, understanding the policy ramifications of artificial intelligence and then developing legislation uh, to respond to those, uh, those issues. Uh, so that's certainly something that is getting a lot of attention. It actually overlaps quite a lot with, uh, with what I'm doing in, in, in the quantum sphere. Uh, and in fact, there, there are ways of using uh, artificial intelligence to deal with things like the coronavirus outbreak, to uh, track and model the, the, uh, the spread of the virus, and then to design uh, both, both uh, pharmaceutical responses and uh, public health responses uh, that, that are, are taking into account a lot of different variables and a lot of moving parts. I want to spend more time talking about that because it is so uh, timely about our, our response to the virus that's affecting our world. Uh, by the way, has anybody ever said anything to you or speculated that this was a virus created by man? That's so there's been uh, – <laughs> uh, there have been some um, possibilities raised that it was a, a, a virus uh, created by, by people. I think th- – the 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 leading proponents of theories along those lines have said, look, the 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 Chinese government has not been open or forthcoming or told the truth uh, about the origins of the virus, and so we have to take into account the possibility that one of several things has happened. Number one, it could have been uh, totally natural. Number two, it could have been something that was studied in a lab and accidentally got out. Number three, it could have been created in a lab and accidentally got out. And number four, it could have been released on purpose. Nobody has any idea which of the four of those is, a possi- is, is, is the answer. But until we know more, all four have to be considered possibilities. The real question is, what are we going to do about it? Uh, and that's certainly what's occupying uh, everybody's attention right now, both on a personal level, a family level, uh, and and at the government Economic level. level. Uh, certainly it's going to impact the economy, no question about it. Uh, and and Congress and the administration are, and, and the banks and, uh, and, and companies right now are, are in the middle of trying to develop responses to that, trying to adapt as rapidly as possible and absorb as much... Uh, disruption as possible, um, but it's uh, it's it's a real test of our ability to uh, react quickly, to react appropriately, uh, not to overreact, and uh, it's in, in many ways the the same sort of stress test that the two thousand and eight financial crisis right. uh, put our our banking system through. Uh, this is going to put our public health system through and, and a few That's, other systems as well. You say that it is going to be as damaging to the public health system as it was the 2008 was damaging? I would say more challenging to more the public health system. I think, I think the public health system uh, will not suffer lasting damage as a result of this, but the question is will it be able to uh, process this virus in a way that is uh, – that, that, that keeps people uh, 
for the most part, well, reasonably healthy. It, this is a very good example. But before uh, before I, I touch on this uh, other question about health and, and analytics, uh, before I leave AI, <laughs> there's a bipartisan committee, right? It's caucus. a caucus, I mean, yes. A bipartisan yeah. caucus. Mm-hmm. Does that make a difference in how issues are being explored and how how you can get support for them? Absolutely. I think, uh, especially with technological uh, developments, the more they can be kept out of the partisan sphere, the better. Uh, and and if if there's a way to uh, look at new technologies without without complicating things through the lens of party, uh, I think that's helpful. And I think certainly there are issues that are raised by technologies of all kinds uh, that cut across party lines. And, and, so, and, and, and beyond that, I think it's fair to say that uh, the more the two parties are working together and talking with each other, uh, the better off we all are going to end up. Yeah, yeah we, we hope that we hope that uh, if nothing else, this brings together the parties in mutual uh, problem solving. Uh, back to health, though. Uh, if analytics is a, a, a key technology, uh, data analytics, analytics in in solving the crime, and this it is investigative. If you have to, to be a super sleuth to find out, but don't you have to have a, a large database? And oh, absolutely. So, um, uh, and and. We have already seen uh, in the course of just ordinary flu outbreaks that things like uh, people searching on Google for flu remedies <laughs> uh, is an excellent way to find uh, flu outbreaks so so that um, Google can actually tell uh, NIH or, or, or our other health agencies, yeah, we're seeing that there's a flu outbreak in Fill in the blank city. Google I mean, Google can tell. Sure, because because people people within a certain radius are searching much more frequently for okay. flu remedies or for uh, you know doctors related to a particular illness or something like that. So so we have the ability to tap into a tremendous amount of data, mm-hmm. uh, and then what AI can do is look at that data at a much much larger scale and a much more meticulous degree than humans can and find patterns, find uh, evidence that that we would just not see. We would just miss it. Do you think that we are being uh, impatient, too impatient for the answers to solving this problem of the flu? How, I mean, who's got sick? How many times? Is your- uh I think it's it's helpful to have people expressing a strong preference for action and for uh, for using resources to deal with the problem. Um, I think that we're seeing a tremendous amount of activity on the part of uh, governments around the world to try to, to try to address this. This is um, one of the m- most significant uh, public health situations that we've had. In the in in the, let's say the post-internet era, but it's by no means the only one. Uh, we've had a variety of other large-scale epidemic-level uh, uh, disease situations, and we've dealt with them before. And it's going to be a, this this will be a new challenge, uh, but I I'm confident that we'll be able to deal with it. 
about challenges. Um, you have worked in every major technology, every major industry. <laughs> okay. I don't know about that, but <laughs> some, some of them, some of them. You are a definitely a renaissance man. Uh, I'm going to take you through uh, all those in- industries that you have here on your paper, on okay. your resume. Sure. And if you would tell, uh, tell our audience what do you see as uh, the challenge, the, the biggest challenge that they face, mm-hmm. and opportunities in the future and opportunities for employment in the future? Sure. Okay. <laughs> I thought this was commercial space. I, I, I just went to the Air Aviation Summit, mm-hmm. and uh, Boeing was a big presence there. Yes, they are. Is Boeing a commercial space, or are they not are they a government space? Uh, so uh, Boeing obviously is a is a uh, is a, a corporation, but the way that they engage with the uh, with NASA is as a uh, a, a cost plus contractor. So they don't, in those circumstances, necessarily fall under what what I would term commercial space. Uh, Who the does the companies that I work with in that space uh, have NASA as a customer of of uh, where where NASA pays a certain amount for a seat on a vehicle or a, a research slot or something like that, as opposed to saying we're going to pay for time and materials and whatever it costs, it costs. Uh, so, And that's not any disrespect to Boeing at all, which has a tremendous uh, legacy and is doing some really incredible things. It's just a different way of doing things. So the companies uh, that would generally be considered to be at the cutting edge of commercial spaceflight are companies like Blue Origin, Virgin Galactic, and Virgin Orbit, uh, SpaceX, certainly, companies like that, Maxar, um, uh, Made in Space, companies companies that are uh, really pushing the boundaries and, and are doing so in a way that, that NASA is a customer. Okay. So in your uh, definition of commercial space, uh, who are the big players, and what do you see for the future? Yeah, well, the companies I mentioned are, are many of the biggest players. I'd add maybe Sierra Nevada Corporation and and uh, uh, a few others. But uh, I, I would say that the the, the next big things uh, are going to be the the commercialization of low Earth orbit. Uh, so we're, we we have the International Space Station in orbit right now. Uh, it has about the same interior volume as a seven forty seven. And it's traveling at uh, 17,500 miles an hour, 240 miles up over uh, over the Earth. Uh, and it is currently being used for all sorts of research and development in a microgravity environment, which is exciting because without the, the pull of gravity on your experiment, you can, you can see what's going on much better. You can do uh, some really interesting things related to protein folding and, and all sorts of uh, biology experiments that you couldn't do otherwise. Um, but the International Space Station is going to uh, end its useful life soon, uh, probably around the 2028 time frame. And we need to have a follow-on capability uh, for, primarily for, for research, orbit. for research, but also not 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 just for sort of scientific research, but also for research and development. What can we, what can we design uh, in space? What can we what can we learn in space that helps us make things down here on Earth? But there's also opportunities to make things in space, uh, and and take advantage of of the ability to construct things. Uh, without the, the the challenges that gravity presents, and then bring them back down to Earth and use them. 
uh, made in space. Uh, 3D, especially. 3D, 3D printing is one of the things that they're doing, but uh, another thing that they're doing is, is making um, uh, uh, fiber, um, uh, communications fiber, uh, fiber uh, uh, that, that, that can only be made in microgravity because under gravity, it, the, the crystalline structure of the fiber uh, starts to degrade, and so you lose some of the capability of the fiber. Make it in space, and the fiber is extremely uh, capable, and, and then you can bring it back down on Earth and use it. So we're looking for other opportunities like that, looking for ways to make uh, low-Earth orbit a, a commercial success. Um, and uh, certainly tourism is going to be a part of that. But R&D and manufacturing is, is, is a place that we're looking to expand. Well, uh, I, think that's, I think that's a big, place, a big part of the space. Uh, like you said, travel and tourism. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's certainly <laughs> some of it. Hamilton on the hill. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, going, going into low Earth orbit, eventually, uh, hopefully going to the moon and, and perhaps even beyond. Uh, and there's there's a real market for that. Um, we've seen that demonstrated. Uh, Virgin Galactic has signed up hundreds of people yeah. uh, who put down deposits for suborbital flights. Uh, and we're going to be seeing other companies uh, like Blue Origin and SpaceX coming online with their own capabilities. Okay, real quickly, because I want to get to quantum sure. technology, because that's... Uh, well, what do you think is the hottest area right now? I mean, it's quantum, is it space flight, <laughs> is it IT, Oh, uh, you're, you're asking me to pick between my children who I love the best. No, I think there's so much activity in, in so many of these different places. And what's really exciting is that in each case, we're starting to see the, the, the economy within that space diversify. So you're starting to see in the, in, the, in the commercial space, for example, you're starting to see spaceports and launchers and payload companies and researchers and terrestrial customers of all of these all coming together, uh, financiers even, um, communications folks. And so all, all of these things are starting to build on each other, and it's this organic growth in the size, scale, diversity of the economy uh, within space, that, that that's exciting. On the quantum side, you're starting to see the same thing. You're starting to see people not just trying to all make quantum bits or qubits, uh, but you're seeing some people doing that, some people making applications, some people working on the algorithms, some people working on refrigeration, all sorts of different Excuse things. me a second. Can you please explain to our listeners what quantum physics is or quantum technology? <laughs> well, uh, like how much time do we have? So, so we have, uh, so, so quantum computing um, in particular is a different kind of computing that relies on the fact that at subatomic scales, uh, you, you, you don't know what you're going to get until you measure it. You can, you can look at a, uh, a, a subatomic particle and just not know whether it's going to be in, in computing terms, you could call it a, a one or a zero until you've measured it. And at that point, it was will resolve into a one or a zero, but it was just impossible to know before. And when you combine one of those with another and with a bunch more, all of a sudden you get to start doing really incredible different kinds of computing. The bottom line is uh, that things that ordinary computers simply can't do on any kind of reasonable time scale, 
like factoring extraordinarily large numbers, quantum computers will be able to do very easily. Uh, and, and so it's, it's a new tool in the toolkit for all of us to be able to attack problems that previously were not solvable with computers. You know, a lot of uh, a lot of fiction books uh, <laughs> are being written with quantum physics as the background, mm -hmm. and and uh, I I read one recently where uh, they this man ha has a ship, a boat that could go around the world in a day or something, and it was uh, high energy, high uh, uh, high risk, and but the sunspots on the Earth would cause probably caused damage and caused major catastrophes along the way. Hmm. And he wasn't sure whether he, it was his fault that he was causing <laughs> these sunspots to, uh, to rain down on Mexico and Spain. Well, well that, that, uh, that sounds like it's probably science. more speculative science fiction than, a, <laughs> science fiction. than, than anything we need to worry to about. Read. But, uh, you know, you, you bring up fast travel, and, and one of the things that we're uh, starting to get excited about is hypersonics. Uh, so the idea that you can uh, go many times the speed of sound, uh, that's something that NASA's aeronautics side is working on very hard. It's something that the Defense Department is very interested in. Is and that, private companies are working quantum? on it is as that... well. That has, no, that, that's, that's closer to the, to the space side of what I do. But, um, uh, but, but we're, we're, you'll, you'll be hearing a lot more about hypersonics in the years ahead. Okay. We only have five minutes for you. So I don't know whether to give you a, a lightning round. <laughs> or, <laughs> Whatever you prefer. Or I prefer. All right. This is semi-lightning. It's a slow-motion lightning. Okay. Uh, slow lightning it is. <laughs> slow lightning it is. Okay. In terms of uh, growth opportunities, in terms of what they do, in terms of the region, especially the region, nanotechnology. So I think nanotechnology has matured uh, to the point where it's it's reverting to material science in many ways. The, uh, nanotechnology was never a field as such. It was a much broader than that. It's a, it's a scale of doing things, um, and 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 you can do different things at that scale because the physical properties of matter are different at that scale. We're talking about less than a hundred nanometers across. Uh, much, 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 much smaller than the width of a human hair. And and things like surface tension and wavelengths and, and, and all of that started to come into play. There is a tremendous amount going on in nanotechnology right now. The Federal Nanotechnology, uh, National Nanotechnology Initiative is still uh, underway, still coordinating a lot of federal research and development in that area. Uh, and and But a lot of that is, is informing um, the, the the physical capabilities of materials for things like rockets or uh, or, or new uh, new fabrics or things like that now. Okay, IT. IT means anything. <laughs> Internet of Things. <laughs> well, the so so I mean, with IT now you've got you've got five G. You've got the Internet of Things. Uh, we're going to have a tremendous amount of um, data that's being generated. Uh, there's going to be tremendous implications for privacy. Uh, there will be tremendous implications in a positive way for our ability to see what's going on, use artificial intelligence to pick up trends and pick up uh, uh, nuances that we might not otherwise have seen. 
And I think we're, uh, we're going to find that this area has a real opportunity. I, I, I talked last time about some work uh, I'm doing through the Greater Washington Board of Trade and their Connected DMV movement. Uh, Connected DMV is all about bringing together all of the area's uh, jurisdictions so that they can build a smart region. And that's very exciting, and IT is going to be critical to that. But they're, they're, they've become, over the last year, they've become a, a nationwide uh, and, and really a world leader on, on smart region. I hope you don't mind. You are our, uh, a, our, you're not a scientist, per se, but no. a, a legal <laughs> person in residence. I, I'm, I'm a lawyer, a lobbyist, and somebody who advocates for technology. Yeah, because we aren't, we are just beginning to touch on all these subjects. Uh, one last, one last uh, subject in this area, and then I wanted to find out a little bit about you in the last minute. Um, water. Water uh, is such a under, served area of science, and yet it's so important. What can you tell us? Yeah, we've done a lot of work on on global access to safe water. Uh, Here in the United States, we have an opportunity to improve water technology. Uh, We haven't had a lot of improvements in water technology over the last century. Uh, and so that's that's an area where there are a handful of companies that are developing new ways to deal with water infrastructure uh, to make sure that pathogens and so forth are, are taken care of in the water supply uh, and make sure that we're fully uh, meeting the needs of our citizens. Uh. Well, I know you you volunteer a lot in in the water and saving water and looking at water solutions to other economies. And uh, I think water is going to be very, very important as we go forward as well. My last question, after we take care of that ringing on that same, that's our alarm clock, folks, to tell us how much time we have left. We had no time left. you are um, you are a man of all uh, subjects, and you are a lawyer. So summarize for us what you see as opportunities for young people in this uh, in innovative technology economy, in the in especially Absolutely. in the DMV region over the next few years. Sure. So the the companies that I work with are desperate for young workers who have skills in the STEM areas, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Uh, they're absolutely desperate for that. If, uh, if, if your own capabilities lie less in those directions and, and more in others, the, the wonderful thing about these, these economies growing and expanding is that there are opportunities in, in uh, fields like mine or, or you know, in, in uh, economics or uh, even HR <laughs> to be involved with these companies. Uh, but, but it's really important to find them and to, to, to just start getting involved, to, to, to reach out, make yourself available. Uh, and and just start getting involved because they're desperate desperate to find uh, qualified individuals to work with. Well, we're starting we're stopping at this end at this point, but we hopefully will start again at another time about the technologies we can we can actually we should choose one technology <laughs> for, for show and then you can uh, explain it and tell people how to get ready for it, etc. 
I thank you very much for coming. Thank you for having me again. I appreciate it tremendously. You're just uh, such a joy and such a warehouse of knowledge that uh, we very much appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in and see you the next time. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to The Workforce Show. This interview and others can be found at WERA.FM or at CareerCentralOnline.com. Thank you for listening. Until the next time.